Welcome to Always Real Talk. I'm Kwame, and in our virtual studio, we have Josh Lopez. This is a guy who has his ear and eyes on the ground. Josh, welcome to the Always Real Talk. Hey, virtual studio. Hey, Kwame. Thank you for having me on uh, Always Real Talk today. Hey, no, good. It's good to have you in. Let's, Josh, let's jump right into the presidential election. Um, I know that you have been very vocal. Uh, you've been on social media. You've been on other outlets really talking about this race and how important is it? I mean, how important is it for the Democrats to now focus on trying to take back the White House? I mean, it's a, it's the number one priority uh, with this election. Can Democrats uh, pull off a victory? Can they come back from a devastating loss in 2016 uh, and recapture the White House? Uh, it's the conversation that everyone's leading with right now. Uh, trying to figure out where Vice President Biden is going to go now that he is the presumptive nominee, uh, who he will pick as his vice president uh, is on everyone's mind. Well, I mean, people are talking about it. People are calling. People are tweeting. People are saying, hey, let's want to come on the show to talk about it. I mean, how important is this vice president pick? Like, how, you know, how you know how important of a decision is this for not only uh, former Vice President Biden, but also for the Democratic Party? Uh, I'd make the argument that it's the most important decision. Uh, if we're looking at uh, not repeating the same mistake of 2016, uh, which is where uh, Secretary Clinton went with Tom Kane, uh, and what we saw in that election was uh, low enthusiasm, low voter turnout in the areas that mattered most. Uh, and so if we're looking at replicating the victories of 2008 and 2012 under President Obama, uh, we need to go with a vice president that's going to bring excitement, that's going to bring enthusiasm, uh, and that will turn up the vote. Uh, and so I wrote a piece about uh, Vice President Biden uh, going with a woman of color, a black woman, uh, to be able to turn up that vote, bring some excitement to this race, uh, and hopefully recapture the White House. Now, you know, and, and, and you had a, a great piece. I read it. It was in the paper. Everyone go check it out uh, that he you laid out your, you know, opinion uh, based on that. It needs to be a woman, but not only a woman of color, but you, you mentioned a black woman. I mean, which is you know unusual. Someone would say, hey, I'm looking at Josh Lopez, say that we should have a black woman be the vice president as a, not as opposed to maybe someone is a Hispanic or Latino. Why is that? Give, give me the any reason behind your thought process with that. Absolutely. You know, the black constituency, black voters uh, are the most loyal uh, voting block for the Democratic Party. Uh, if you look at the numbers over the years, they historically have always voted 90 percent plus uh, for the Democratic nominee. Uh, what we saw in 2016, that number actually dipped. Uh, not only for black voters, but for Hispanic voters. Uh, and so that's what made all the difference in uh, President Trump being able to win that election. So if we're looking at recapturing those votes, uh, recapturing the momentum that was built, uh, that, that we created over the Obama years, uh, we need to go with a candidate uh, or a vice presidential pick that's representative of that voting block uh, that will help determine the outcome of this uh, upcoming election. So given your, your, your argument, I, I take it that you would um, argue that, that in order to energize the base, in order to gen, gen, uh, energize 
a community that's needed, right? We all know everyone, I don't know who, you know, even you watch Fox, watch anywhere, and they're going to tell you that the Democrats have to energize their base, clearly the progressive side of the party, as well as African-American voters, right? Absolutely. And, and, and Hispanic voters, too, right? Absolutely. And so the question becomes, you believe that if, in fact, there's a, a African-American woman uh, nominee, I mean, vice president nominee, then you believe that that's, that will energize the base. Absolutely. And there's data that supports this. Uh, when you look at the record level turnout uh, in 2008, 2012, it was because there was a black, black man leading the ticket uh, that energized voters. Uh, it was something that was new. Uh, it was something that showed voters and sent the message that, look, uh, we're a changing party. We're a changing country. Uh, the top of our ticket represents that. And now with Joe Biden as a presumptive nominee. Uh, and hopefully going with a uh, woman vice president that also ref reflects the diversity of the Democratic Party. It sends a strong message that we're not taking anyone for granted. Uh, we're not disrespecting the base. We're not disrespecting the voters uh, that essentially helped uh, Vice President Biden clinch this nomination. Uh, if we look at how this Democratic primary played out, it was black voters in particular uh, that saved his campaign with a resounding victory in South Carolina, uh, and then big wins across the South afterwards. Uh, he needs to be able to go back to that community and say, look, I appreciate your support. Uh, it's because of you that I'm the nominee, uh, and this is what I'm gonna do to ensure that you guys are at the table. Uh, I also think that also sends a message to Hispanic voters as well. Uh, we look at 2016, that voting turnout turned that went downwards as well. Uh, so ensuring that uh, Vice President Biden's or future President Biden's administration is representative of the Hispanic demographic is also important. Uh, so right after he makes a VP pick, I'm hopeful that he will also announce uh, some big uh, Hispanic names in his administration. That will help, again, uh, energize people and show them that they're a part of the process. Well, you know, there's some that are saying, this is always real talk, so you know we keep it real. There's some that are saying that the Democratic Party is hedging, right? And they've done that uh, for a long time. Uh, there's no, it's no secret that the African-Americans uh, always are supporting the Democratic Party. They're a big chunk of why the Democrats actually win the White House. Um, clearly, they did it in 92. They did it in 96. Uh, clearly, and, and then come back with, with Obama uh, in 08 and then again in um, 012, right? So when you start to look at that, there's some now that are saying, hey, hold up here. You know, the suburban uh, white women, you know, is important. And we lost a lot of that vote in the last election. And there were two reasons. One of the reasons is that the, the, the African-American and the minority community wasn't energized and didn't come out to vote. And two, for those uh, suburban white women that did vote it, they went and voted for Trump, right? So if, in fact, you are get, if the, oh, Biden is now faced with this, if, in fact, we get a African-American woman as a vice president uh, nominee on his ticket, will we, uh, you know, send the wrong message and will white women desert the Democratic Party in the general election? What is your thoughts on that? Well, it's important to recognize that uh, Democrats have not won the majority of the white vote since John F. Kennedy. Uh, and so we look at how Obama exactly won. In, in fact, his white support went down in his reelection. It went from uh, 43% to 39%. But he was able to win his reelection 
uh, with resounding numbers again, uh, because you had a higher black turnout, you had a higher Hispanic turnout. Uh, and I'd make the argument that that's the coalition that Vice President Biden needs to win this election. Uh, I call it the new American majority, uh, which is essentially made up of uh, Hispanic voters, Asian voters, black voters, Native American voters, and progressive white voters. That coalition in itself is enough to win. Uh, and most importantly, in the swing states that Clinton lost in 2016. Uh, she lost Michigan, which Democrats had not lost um, in decades, and partly because there was such a low voter turnout in Detroit. Uh, those, turn those votes that were lost between 2012 and 2016 uh, are the votes that caused her uh, those key swing states uh, just four years ago. We can win those states back. I mean, it's such a small margin. But again, we need to get people to turn out, be excited, uh, and know that there's a ticket that's representative of what the Democratic Party looks like. It's well, number one. Well, it, and it's clear. I just want to go over a couple of numbers. I think you, you kind of laid it out, the graphs on the screen, and it talks about, you know, the, uh, the, the distribution of white voters in presidential elections, right? And clearly, as you see, Obama had 39 percent uh, uh, white people and still became president of the United States. But let's go to, uh, you know, Bill Clinton had 39 percent, right? These are the two that people say energized the base uh, and got folks out the vote, had 39 percent. And then Bill Clinton in 96 had 44 percent. Uh, and then you saw Obama had 43 percent in 08 and then 39 percent in 2012. Now, the, the question becomes, you know, in order to energize the base, it's more than just to get a person of color on a ticket. And I think you, you would agree with that, right? Some say you're putting a person on a ticket. Absolutely. Of course, okay. issues, so, uh, the platform of the candidates is very important. But, you know, I'm one to embrace identity politics. You know, you look at Trump and part of his attraction to his base, he went with Vice, uh, he went with, um, with Pence. And part of that was he needed the, the white evangelical Christian uh, voter base to come out and vote for them. And so he played identity politics and it worked out well for them. Uh, you know, I'm also one to, of course, embrace a strong platform. We need tangibles. We need uh, realistic goals that we can achieve. Uh, but we can't discount the fact that voters want uh, leadership that's representative of who they are. Now, let's go back to uh, another thing that people are saying is that, uh, you know, if, in fact, uh, Vice President Joe Biden picks an African-American uh, for for the ticket, uh, as, a, as a female, uh, is he going to turn off, you know, the same progressive Bernie Sanders supporters that may want someone else and he's trying to hold on to? So the question is, how do you hold on to the Bernie Sanders supporters who some have said they're going to vote for Donald Trump or not vote at all? And then how do you hold on to suburban white women who might feel alienated because you know, they didn't even get a chance to be on a ticket. How, how does that work? And how, what is your thoughts? Because that's what people are saying. What is your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's important for, uh, for Vice President Biden to embrace uh, some of the key issues that that progressive wing feels very strongly about, whether it's health care, whether it's uh, putting more people to the workforce, whether it's alleviation of student debt. Uh, I believe him embracing some of those issues will win over that wing. Uh, but again, uh, when you talk in a, when you talk about the changing demographic of America, when you talk in a, when you talk about the browning of America, uh, there's a bunch of new votes out there that need to be captured 
uh, particularly in a handful of key swing states. Uh, the black vote, the brown vote is really going to be the determining factor uh, on who wins uh, this, in this upcoming election. So when you start to look at the numbers, even in the uh, Hispanic community, in terms of their, their vote, there, there was a great percentage of them that actually voted for Donald Trump. You know, will we see that change, right? Can, will that be a shift of 2 to 3 percent uh, from the Hispanic community uh, to back to the Democratic Party? Can Joe Biden actually achieve that with an African-American woman on the ticket? I believe he can. Uh, and I, I believe part of the reason that uh, those numbers actually dipped, uh, Hispanic numbers actually dipped in 2016, uh, was because of uh, Hillary Clinton's selection of Tim Kaine. And if we recall that, uh, if you recall the process, Julian Castro at the time was one of the finalists. Uh, he was passed over. She went with Tim Kaine. Y me da pena decirle a la campaña de Trump que los latinos tendrán un voz muy importante en esta elección. Y la opción es bien clara. And then part of his rollout uh, to the Hispanic community was, hey, look, this guy, uh, he speaks Spanish. Uh, he was a missionary in Honduras for a number of years. Uh, and a number of Hispanic voters actually took that as a slap in the face, uh, as an insult. And again, I think that drove down the enthusiasm. It sent the message to Hispanic voters that um, they weren't appreciated, uh, that they were not a part of the process. I believe Biden, not only in winning over Bernie voters uh, by embracing the platform, uh, also has to show some actual tangibles to Hispanic voters. And I think creating this coalition uh, of an announcement of a number of people that, who, that will serve in his administration can serve that purpose. So you believe that uh, while you are very supportive of him selecting an African-American woman uh, to be on the ticket with him, that he also needs to, at the same time, uh, lay out you know, how he's going to be inclusive to the Hispanic community with top leadership positions. And you're saying, all of, that, you're saying all of that together is what's going to create that, that excitement on both sides of the fence. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the numbers, um, in 2012, Obama won with 71% of the Hispanic vote. Uh, right. In 2016, Clinton was only able to capture 66%. So you saw a 5% dip there. How do you capture that back? Uh, and you look at the primary, how it played out. A number of those voters, uh, if you look at Nevada and some of these primary states, Hispanic voters, went with Bernie. Uh, and part of that was because of his progressive views, his platform. Uh, and so I believe if Biden brings on some of those viewpoints, incorporates uh, those views into his campaign, uh, he can win over those votes. And you're saying, Absolutely. All of that, are you saying all of that together is what's going to create that, uh, that excitement on both sides of the fence? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the numbers, um, in 2012, Obama won with 71% of the Hispanic vote. Uh, right. In 2016, Clinton was only able to capture 66%. So you saw a 5% dip there. How do you capture that back? Uh, and you look at the primary, how it played out. A number of those voters, uh, if you look at Nevada and some of these primary states, Hispanic voters, went with Bernie. Uh, and part of that was because of his progressive views, his platform. Uh, and so I believe if Biden brings on some of those viewpoints, incorporates uh, those views into his campaign, uh, he can win over those votes. But again, I think announcing some big names uh, and letting voters know, look, 
Hispanics are going to be a part of my administration uh, will certainly help him cross the finish line with a, with, a, with a big victory. Okay, and because clearly Nevada didn't show up, right? A lot of those Hispanic voters went and voted for Donald Trump, right? I mean, that's what the, um, that's what the yeah, well, said. Some people yeah, went so, and they voted for Donald Trump. And your belief is that if, in fact, there's real outreach, there's real commitment, there's real announcements of inclusiveness, then those Hispanics will come back and those African-Americans that sat home will be energized to come back out and vote for the party uh, in 2020. Well, I was talking about the primary race. The general is obviously different. Uh, right. And so you look at where those numbers dipped uh, for Hispanic voters. There was a big dip in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, there was a big dip in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, and if you look, there's a big Puerto Rican community there. So I think it's important to make distinctions also within the Hispanic community. Uh, Cuban voters historically are more conservative. Uh, you also have Southwestern uh, Mexican-Americans who are fifth, sixth generation Americans who, who historically might be a little bit more conservative. So there's different messages for different demographics. But I think across the board, uh, just showing Democratic Latino voters that, that, that they are indeed uh, going to be a part of uh, hopefully President Biden's administration will send a message that they are a part of the process. There's never been a Latino president. There's never been a Latino vice president. Uh, and there have been very few uh, Latinos who've been picked uh, to be on presidential administration. So coming out early and letting folks know that they will indeed be a part of the process, I think will galvanize people. Uh, Julian Castro, I think, would be an incredible person. Uh, as you know, he was the HUD secretary under President Obama. Uh, he ran a very incredible campaign. He then went on to endorse Senator Warren. So he has a name recognition. Uh, he has the visibility. Uh, and he already has inroads within the community. So coming out with somebody like that early on, uh, I think will galvanize and excite people. Where, and where would you, you know, you know, we don't know, but where would you think he would, would fit? If it's not, you know, he's already been a secretary of a, of a major cabinet in the administration and done a, a good job. Where, where would he go from there in terms of- I'd love to see him as, yeah, great question, Kwame. I'd love to see him as a secretary of state uh, I think he would perform wonderfully uh, on an international stage. Uh, you know, we're talking about uh, our relationship with Latin America and the Caribbean is very important. Uh, we're talking about our relationship with Asia, uh, different parts of Europe. Uh, I believe Julian Castro does have that executive level experience uh, and that international know-how to be able to go out and do a great job as Secretary of State. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great appointment. Uh, it's a high-level appointment. Uh, it's one that brings a lot of visibility uh, to the table. And that's one of the reasons that uh, President Obama selected Hillary Clinton. Uh, he knew that's what was needed to bring her wing uh, of the party over to him to win in 2008. And it worked. Well, and I, I mean, look, I think that uh, you, you, you might be onto something, right? Because that's what people want to know. What are, the, what are the details behind it? Are there any other uh, Hispanic leaders out there that you feel that uh, uh, Joe Biden should be taking a look at that would help energize uh, the base, which clearly includes the Hispanic community? Absolutely. Look, I'm going to, uh, you know, it's a yeah. bit of a long shot, but I, I think, mean, look, this know, is always real talk. We throw it out there, baby. Absolutely. You know, I really think someone in the likes of uh, AOC would be a, a tremendous addition uh, to the Biden administration. Uh, I think she would galvanize young voters, young progressives, 
young people of color, women, uh, to really get excited uh, about uh, the Biden candidacy and potential Biden administration. Uh, she was the lifeline for Bernie Sanders uh, for a while after he went through his heart procedure. Uh, and she kept his campaign going. Uh, and so being able to get somebody like that who is really representative of the future of what this country is, uh, I think would be a huge addition uh, to the Biden administration. And, you know, when you start to to look at that, you start to ask yourself, you know, clearly she can energize, she can energize a, a tremendous part of the base that she's done a phenomenal job, you know, really taking the mantle and and forcing the conversation in ways that I don't think would have been forced if she did not be as vocal as she was, right? And no one could deny deny that when you talk about change, whether you think she's too far left or not, the fact that she has people moving and thinking and reacting in a way to things that she believes and a, a large co a constituent of the Democratic Party believes is something that we haven't seen in a very, very, very long time. Um, I want to get back to something that uh, it always comes down to numbers, right? That's what a race comes down to. And, you know, you, you've laid out a, a path to energize not only African Americans, but all minority groups in a vice president pick that's a woman that's of color, right? And then you've laid out how to energize the Hispanic community by, you know, announcing some really big appointments, right? Not just these little giveaways, but something that really shows that it's an inclusive party of, of all minorities. Um, is that enough when you look at a place like Nevada? Is that enough when you look at Ohio and Pennsylvania and Florida? Um, you just laid out that there's a difference between, you know, different types of Hispanics in different communities, just like any other culture, right? Whether it's Cubans, whether it's whatever. You know, how does that relate to winning Florida, right? Can the Democratic Party win Florida, uh, and can they go and win Pennsylvania or Ohio? Not to, mention, not to mention Nevada, which is still, you know, everyone's thinking the unions are going to come through and that's what's going to happen. Well, you know, we all know how it turned out last time, right? We're all wishing, but, I mean, you really have to turn and, and, and get an increase and the Hispanic vote in certain states in order to be victorious? It's a great question, Kwame. Uh, and so that really touches on the engagement aspect of the campaign uh, and who you have uh, working on the messaging, uh, who are the consultants, who are the boots on the ground, uh, who are who's running the ads. Uh, and the Democrats have fallen short over the years. There was a 2014 audit conducted by the Democratic Party on how they were spending their money uh, and who that money was going uh, to. And so in this audit in 2014, they looked at the elections in 2010 and 2012. Uh, out of the $514 million that were spent on consultants, only 3%, 3% of that $514 million went to consultants uh, led by men and women of color. And so you saw a huge gap uh, in where the money is going uh, who the money is going to. Uh, and then from there, it translates into voter engagement, messaging, door-to-door -door campaigning, voter outreach, GOTV. Uh, so if President, I mean, Vice President Biden's campaign and the Democrats as a whole uh, are serious about turning up the vote uh, and getting uh, historically marginalized communities to show up in November, uh, 
uh, they're going to have to engage uh, the consultants on the ground, uh, the political firms on the ground uh, that are led by men and women of color who know how to reach these communities, who know how to turn people out. And there are plenty of people who know how to do that out there. Uh, it just takes a willingness on the part of uh, Vice President Biden's campaign and the Democrats uh, to be able to do it. Well, look, I, we've had folks on the show, I mean, great, well-respected individuals that we had long conversations about this. And it really comes down on how you deploy your resources. And, you know, you, you know I had a, a, a good friend of mine who's, who's a mentor. He who's always told me his name was Elijah Rogers, one of the best city administrators this, that Washington, D.C. has ever had. But he said, he used to tell me, son, you got to, you know, sweep where the dirt is. And I'm not saying dirt in a bad way. He used to just tell me, sweep where the dirt is. Why are you sweeping in rooms where there's no dirt? Go find ways of dirt and you sweep, you know, put all your resources to sweep the area to get the dirt out, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm saying that to say that if you don't spend, you know, resources on a very targeted group that you actually need, right? So let's kind of break it down. We all know that the Democratic Party needs a large percentage of minorities to vote for them, to be energized and come out to vote for them in order to win, right? We just kind of laid out the stats that say that, you know, that uh, non-minorities are voting and Obama still won, right? Which means that a large number of minorities actually showed up to vote, right? So if they don't show up, no one disputes, the Democrats don't win, right? We, we agree on that, right? So let's walk that down. Then why do we not spend that equivalent of that amount of money to actually get what we need? And in 92, we didn't do it. In 96, we didn't do it. In 2000, we didn't do it. I mean, we had a black president, Barack Obama, and they said, hey, he's a black, so therefore he's energizing all the blacks. And blacks said, hey, I'm going to go out and vote for Obama because he's the first black man that ever ran for office. So they actually did that, and people were energized, and it happened twice. Then it fell off. Right. And so did we get we, we kind of went back to the old school way of doing things and not spending any resources except at the last minute. We have seven months left. I think it's like seven months left before the election. And the question becomes, you know, are we just going to have President Obama and my good friend, Jim, uh, Congressman Clyburn, uh, and we're going to put it on their backs to just energize all the people? Or are we going to actually spend the resources? Or we go, you know, I'm a field guy, so I believe that we have to be in the field. We have to be on the ground. We have to show people more than a commercial on TV. We have to show people more than a mailer that they get in their mailbox, right? We got to show them through who we select as being part of the ticket, which you have just clearly laid out, but also, you know, that they're going to be resources spent. I mean, there's, there is so much money spent with political consultants and political consultant firms, and very few of it go to minorities. And you know what? Absolutely. Some of us are old enough to have been around this game long enough to say, hey, we know this when we see it. And is it going to be the same old, same old? So I'll say this. If it's the same old, same old, the Democratic Party will lose the election and President Trump will be the president. And everyone will be scratching their head saying, well, why didn't we, how did this happen? And then we'll blame people for not showing up as opposed to trying to energize people with a new and different way of thinking. Um, I, I just wanted to say that. I didn't want to get your response to it, but what, what is your response to that? Kwame, you know, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think uh, voters are looking uh, for a Democratic Party uh, that's going to bring some tangibles to the table. Uh, there's a lot of rhetoric about change, of hope, of uh, charting a new course 
uh, for our country. Uh, and what better way to show that than to start with the campaign uh, and engaging people? You know, we talk about the Hispanic community. Uh, it's a very diverse community within itself. Puerto Rican voters in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania are very different than Cuban uh, voters, uh, Venezuelan voters in Florida. They're very different than, uh, you know, multi-generational uh, Mexican-American voters in Texas uh, and in California. So each one of these pockets, each one of these states have teams, have consultants, have firms that understand that demographic, that have proven uh, that they know what the winning formula is. Uh, and so if uh, Vice President Biden and his team and the Democrats as a whole are serious about winning this election, uh, they need to engage uh, these uh, consultants who've been on the ground doing this stuff for years. They know their communities more than anyone else does. Uh, and it's just a matter of bringing them to the table, giving them the resources they need to effectively do their job. You know, absolutely, you know, as, as, as someone kind of grew up in Mount Pleasant, so, you know, it's it, no diverse place where well, it used to be than Mount Pleasant uh, back in the day, right? Um, and understanding with a dad who was very much involved uh, with, you know, both of our good friend Lawrence Guiat and the whole crew, Willie Vasquez and a bunch of them that really, really, really showed when black and brown work together how powerful politically uh, they can be to make change in their community. Josh, thank you for coming by, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, Kwame. Um, hey, do me, a, do me a favor, man. Tell your, tell your mom I said hello. That's my buddy right there. Uh, make sure thank you, you. Give, her, give her a shout out. And to everyone else, hey, if it's always real talk, you know it's going to be real.